Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. There is a rescue mission that needs to be conducted, and of course we need to call upon good old-fashioned uh, Mando from the good old days to help uh, take on this very difficult job of rescuing the, the Twi'lek. Anyway, um, so so Ran, who has a history with, with Mando, is like, come on in, and he sets him up with uh, Mayfeld, who's Bill Burr, who is not very receptive to having to deal with Mando, and they put together a scrappy team of reluctant... Um, stormtroopers sort of and they go to rescue that twi'lek i got it all wrong and i'm, I'm speaking very um very poorly on the subject that's totally fine <laughs> uh mando has landed with the razor crest to be able to offer it up for the job he didn't realize he was offering up the razor crest but Rand specifically wants the razor crest to be used right although mando's not to be the one who flies it uh he will have zero the droid as part of their crew flying it uh the twi'lek who mando has a history with Shion will be on the crew we're rescuing her brother quinn uh the deveronian his name's berg he's part of the crew and then mayfeld he's going to be running point uh and he was not a stormtrooper but that's that's what Mando assumes at the start. Right. Uh, they take off to go do a rescue mission. Uh, they uh, essentially zero takes them through hyperspace. Uh, and while they're in hyperspace, uh, Mayfeld notices that Mandalorian has a pet, quote unquote, which is baby Yoda. Uh, and when uh, zero takes them out of hyperspace, they all kind of bounce around. Baby Yoda gets put away and the mission starts. All right. And then once they arrive at the ship to rescue Quinn, I believe it was, um, Basically, the team goes through a couple like really great action scenes that I'm sure we'll talk about, eventually rescuing the Twi'lek. Then they find out, Mando finds out that it was more of a setup, a trap for him as well. He gets put into a cell, um, and then the bad guys attempt to make their mistake. Uh, Mando gets a droid to get near the gate and gets himself free, and then kind of gets ready to pick them off one by one. So there's a sort of uh, haunted house milieu that kind of occurs where the lights get low and there could be danger around any corner. There's a sort of mutiny within our crew of heroes where uh, Mando has been uh, imprisoned and he kind of has to figure his own way out. Um, they There is yet another betrayal between the, the Twi'lek siblings and Mando is involved with the brother helps the brother to escape, but then he has to attack all the the Bill Burrs, and that works for him, and it's there's a lot of fake-outs in this episode. Maybe three people is difficult to do the summary. So it's a little yeah. difficult, yeah. But essentially, there is some fake-outs as to whether or not Mando is killing them as he essentially uh, rounds up the team by picking them off one by one, throwing them in the cell that they put him in. Uh, he eventually puts uh, Mayfeld in as the last one, approaches Quinn. They have a bit of a stare-off, stare and then Mando takes Quinn back to the station uh, where they he drops things off with Ran. Uh, he's gets his money and his payment. Uh, Ran and Quinn hug it out, and there's no questions asked about where the rest of the crew is. Mando leaves. Ran uh, puts in the orders to kill Mando to shoot him down. Him and Quinn are laughing. Quinn realizes, wait a minute, what is this? It's a tracker, because earlier in the episode, as they were making their way onto the ship, they killed the one other life form who's there, who's part of the New Republic, mm -hmm. and he set off a tracker beacon uh, to the New Republic, uh, sending them a warning. Mando left this with Quinn, and ultimately the New Republic with X-Wings flies 
in and kills the guys who betrayed Mando, and Mando is off scot-free. Okay, so we should welcome back uh, our cousin Mark, who's back for... This is only your second episode you've done with us? It's been a little while. What was the last... What was the subject matter of your last appearance on the podcast? Attack of the Clones. Were you doing Attack of the Clones? Yeah, the second 20? Second or third? It was pretty early in. It's... It surprises me that we had you to talk about a prequel because you are critical about Star Wars in a way that Ross and I aren't. We, That's we t- fair. We yeah. tend to not always agree on everything Star Wars wise. And maybe we had you on to create conflict. I don't remember us like bickering about Star Wars when, no, when you were mean, here last time. I don't time. think we generally bicker about Star Wars either. I think it was, I think it's just more so that um, I evaluate Star Wars as uh, a unit uh, in and of itself. Yes. And you and I talk about Star Wars more than any, I think, people are going to talk consistently about the same movies yeah. over and over. So yeah. ultimately, you that rubs off on you in a way. Yeah. Um, Mark, you view all mov- movies within the same vein similarly. The fact that there are four, five diehard movies, in theory, you would view in a similar line, five, and four Indiana Jones movies, you throw those in a similar sort of group to the way you would say that there are... Um, what is it now? 11 Star Wars movies. It's just parts of large franchises that you absolutely love and are focused on, but they're not necessarily the same. Like To you, it's kind of all the same thing in that they're movie franchises as opposed to its own almost like lore. What he means is you're out of your depth and so am I. So you and, and I are I'm going to head out. So thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, no I know what he means. And like, but that's fair. Like I'm probably view the more as like, Every couple years now, I get really, really excited for a Star Wars movie, and I see it, and sometimes I'm like, that's fantastic, and sometimes I'm like, eh, I, I, I don't, it's fine, whatever, and then I wait a couple years till the next thing comes out, but. Well, you and I have great Star Wars conversations, and interestingly, though, it'll be beneficial to have you talking in the kind of the news section, and because the general uh, news of the week in the Star Wars world will it'll be good to have a perspective of somebody whom I essentially what I was trying to say is absolutely adores large blockbuster franchise films especially with great franchises continuing on Star Wars is just one of those ones that you love and so it'll be interesting to hear the take of um, what happens on the screen versus the value of key story points that don't necessarily happen on the screen. Oh, okay. I get you. Yeah. 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 We'll okay. be talking about that a little bit later on, but to the Mando episode. This yes. is chapter six of season one of The Mandalorian. Who directed this episode? Rick Famuyiwa. Has he done one so far in this run? He does the second episode. Because there really seems to be a stylistic approach to making this episode. Uh, on the one hand, it's it's in almost anyway, not entirely, but it's almost a bottle episode. And that afforded them an opportunity to budget this this. A piece of canon really interestingly so like the opening sequence is probably really uh, it looks great really expensive it's beautiful and then they're able to bring in some pre-existing IP like we have the what's the the what's Rio from Solo called he's an Ardenian there's an Ardenian who makes a little appearance I have to figure he cost a few bucks to reproduce for this but then Although most the benefit of it is there he's behind a prison cell so you only need his head that's true that's true but then so much of this episode a good 70% of the story of this episode takes place in like interesting lighting in very uh, frankly inexpensive set pieces but in doing that they have deliberately recreated an aesthetic that's existed for star wars for 43 years and so they have the advantage of like a classical look and also uh 
budgetary consciousness. Do you know what I mean? That's really interesting because although the stories are very, very different and you have the least dialogue episode being the second episode and this probably being the most dialogue heavy episode, both being done by Rick Famuyiwa, but you make a great point about leveraging familiar surroundings, Jawas, uh, different species that we already know. That's one of the huge wins I have for this episode is that you have Twi'leks, Deveronians. Um, you have someone who was part of the Imperial Forces. Uh, it's like dark and dingy and grimy. It's super A New Hope. Uh, Zero, I believe he is I, of a very similar, if not the same, uh, droid type as Forlom, which is an Empire Strikes Back droid. So uh, Rick Famuyiwa does a great job of using... Uh, things that we know within canon so well that blends nicely and allows us to focus on the story, which is kind of an interesting thing, although there are definitely some take-backs in this episode. Mark, what was your favorite example of what we're describing? Something that exists uh, already in Star Wars. This this episode is so amply full of... Um, uh, frankly, in, insiders, uh, little ways to... a little self-referential Star Wars... Uh, uh, tidbits, a lot of them spoken by the great Bill Burr. So what one stands out to you the most? Honestly, the thing that stands out to me the most is just the whole environment of the ship, like Ross was saying, like it's so a new hope. And like you were saying for like budgets, it's like, yeah, it, it would probably be a lower budget, but it doesn't feel like no, lower. No. It's an amazing looking episode and I haven't rewatched the show yet. I watched it when it first came out. Yeah. So this was the first time I rewatched one. And the first thing I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, how great this show looked. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, it was interesting because I was right about to interrupt you to clarify which ship you were talking about. And I realized you were almost definitely talking because then you talked about the simplicity of the set design. You guys are talking about the, the New Republic ship yeah. taking. But at the same time, it takes an Imperial vibe, which also then banks back to a Republic vibe because they're all the same thing recycled over and over. That's right. Um, but... It's also interesting because inside the Razor Crest with all these characters, it feels very Firefly-like or an episode of Rebels where you have this this crew of misfits who's doing a job with inside this tin can flying through the galaxy. It is very Millennium Falcon in that regard. Also a cheap set, but also putting us in a familiar situation once again where... Uh, we can focus on what's going on as opposed to the surroundings because it just is Star Wars. Well, it's both the Lone Ranger and ragtag group of like scrappy misfits yeah. all in one because ultimately he does get kind of marooned and, and, and he's left to be lonesome Mando once again a couple of times in this episode. Mando is his debatably... And there's a couple points in the Deborah Chow episodes in the Taika Waititi finale, but... He, he might do his most badassery in this episode with the taking out of the droids and the shooting them in the head and taking down the rest of the team one by one. I mean, he is just, he is so cool. And when he makes it into the horror film with the lights, I love it when he sneaks up on Mayfeld and Mayfeld screams, realizing mm. that like, shit, no. <laughs> this is what I mean. When it's it's like a haunted house, right? It, the yeah, the whole last little bit is like we were saying, just for like direction, like the lights are coming down red and it's, you get the quick flashes of everyone and, and just like the pace of everyone's like running scared through the hallways. It's great scoring. It's, uh, yeah. It's just a really cool feeling for like yeah. an episode that started off. I thought kind of like, okay, like, like you're saying kind of firefly ragtag group of people go down and I liked it. But then that last third I thought was like absolutely fantastic. What didn't work for you? 
Ross. Uh, for me, Xi'an is so fucking annoying. This is the Twi'lek? This is the female Twi'lek. And although Quinn, uh, slightly less annoying, more frustrating to look at, Xi'an, uh, although her teeth were sharp and she fucking showed them like every three seconds. She's so Jabba's and palace to me. I just so don't know. obnoxious. I like Twi'leks, I guess, uh, canonically, but I, I struggle to see how they're going to transition into live action better than this. Well, that's the thing because it, it they portray them animalistic and that's completely inaccurate. And that's the kind of thing that the other character, like Quinn, do, it doesn't seem so animal-like. He's like a gym rat, kind of. But yeah, he is like a gym rat, and he's stupid, and he's like, uh, he's got a stupid laugh. Yeah. His makeup is crap. Yeah. And so like, I really can't stand him in that regard. Uh, he's got some corny dialogue, although the voice is, is very menacing, which is good. Uh, Xion is just annoying in every way, shape, and form. Is like It does not make any sense that Mando would have any time for her, mm -hmm. which apparently they have a history, so that doesn't really compute. And she seems to understand that he has a bit of a darker side. So she could not have been more annoying, uh, and he could not have been more frustrating to look at it's just something weird about like when she frees her brother and then they kind of like embrace and they put their foreheads together you just feel really excluded from this does that make any sense i didn't um, mind that i no. don't know about that i think i was just so tired of her by the time because i i'm right there with you her, that's the biggest take back of the whole episode was her character and mm. also i had some problems with some other people on the crew but she especially was just really annoying and what about Barg? Do you have some problems with, with Barg? Is that his name? Berg. Berg? The devil. Yeah. Deveronian, yeah. Um kind of like I just thought any point and especially in the first half where it was just the crew, you know, talking back and forth. I didn't think it was like that well written. It was just it was very and this isn't a bad thing, and you guys will think like Mark loves this stuff, but super eighties action movie. Yeah, or he's like a less interesting Drax. Yeah, he's just yeah. kind of that stand-in for this. Like, clearly, we're here to see uh, Massachusetts' own William Burr, and and then all the other people uh, are just kind. Of, they could have been a little more interesting. Yeah, for sure. I I liked uh, the robot Zero. Sure. Yeah, I thought he was good. You know the voicing, right? Yeah, that, Richard that was, Iota. That was R my Iowati. That was my one question. That was my one and only trivia question. Oh, really? Brutal episode for trivia. Oh, I have, I have. A fair bit of trivia. Richard Iwadi is one of my absolute favorites, and it drove me nuts uh, through the first time I watched it. So I looked, yeah. I looked that up pretty quick because it was one of those ones I could not place for the life of me. He's a Q9 droid. I think you mentioned what what type of a droid he was a little okay, earlier. He's perfect. a Q9 droid. I really like those battle droids, by the way. I mean, they're not battle droids, but I guess they're the next generation. The ones that he the takes. The Republic up. droids, yeah. They're so they were cool. Really cool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big fan of those. Uh, you mentioned, though, the dialogue. Where's, like, what was the good dialogue you guys noticed? I didn't have a whole lot. I had just a couple lines uh, because although there was a lot of talking, it wasn't really standout. And I mean, Bill Burr being Bill Burr, uh, the talking, saying that the Razor Crest looks like a Canto Bite slot machine. I this, didn't like that. So well, much. this is what I mean about how it's such a self-referential episode when he makes the, the basically a Jar Jar Binks joke a little later on. He says maybe he's a Gungan. Is yeah. that why you so don't want to take off your helmet? Um, it, like people wouldn't necessarily know a whole lot about the Gungans unless maybe he's from Naboo or something or from a, could a, be. a central he's... planet. Uh, so we maybe find one of the core planets. People have the Boston accent. Uh, <laughs> that's like, I don't know, the, the Havid planet. He's but, from space, Boston. Uh, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. Yep. That was a good one. Have um, that written down too. What is it? A pet or something? Right. Nice family. Nice family's funny. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, are you questioning my managerial style? <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, yeah, those are the those are the Mayfeld ones I had. I had a. Uh, this may surprise you, but he's our muscle. Yeah. Okay. That, I thought that one. Was that really is a good. that is a good one. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I apparently um, Bill Burr is no Star Wars fan. Apparently, this no, is he a, isn't. He, nope. he talks about it a lot on the Monday Morning podcast. He thinks it's for nerds. But the thing about Bill Burr is he is like low key a very good actor. Yeah. And likes to act. Um, and so I think he just took a high profile job i i respect it and i would be happy to see him come back oh he 100 percent will be back they did there's no reason you don't kill the character true i mean you do it somewhat for the mandalorian as who he is but we also didn't have a problem with the mandalorian shooting up um navarro in episode three and so right exactly we, we don't care so much about him taking out the uh the underbelly who are similar to him uh no for, there was the re there was a reason it had that last shot of them all in the yeah all exactly the cell. they're all coming back yeah. uh another quote we didn't mention i think it's bill burr's quote make sure you clean up your mess after he takes out the whole league of droids that bugged me and then berg like gives him a shoulder bump like you guys i, I know you're supposed to be like but that's just giving away that you hate him like that would make me they have been kind of like yeah. not warm to him since the beginning but this is he just saved their ass completely he took out like five or six droids and he could not have looked cooler doing it no i disagree because it is very it's made very clear that they are impressed by what he's doing yeah they don't have to betray that to mando personally in order to save face in order to like not lose their pride a little bit but we know they're impressed and that's all that really matters yeah but then it just it seems like over the top almost the like we're like kids on the schoolyard like we don't like you and even if you that's exactly what's happening here. It, it, it is it's just it felt a little over the top to me especially then that he follows it the berg follows it up with like the body check i kind of think the right title for the episode is just like the good old days it's repeated at the beginning and then at the end um i wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass this was my temporary one you like it the best line in the, sh the episode in my opinion is what's the look is that gratitude i think it is hmm I just think that's great because especially the Mando is constantly a portraying. You can see the look on his face even without seeing it the entire time. It's sure shit, not gratitude, though. <laughs> is there anything we can say about Baby Yoda in this episode who who has a presence and He's again so is like is a point of curiosity for who this Mando is, ethically speaking, with the people he runs into, but like not a huge role in the episode itself. Not not like as a character, but he's there to like add some tension. Like when you when they find him on the ship, and then they're all kind of passing him around for a minute. Oh, and when then, he when he falls on the floor. Oh, yeah. Jason Sudeikis shot at him. Bill Burr dropped him. He's not doing well with comedians. <laughs> this this is very true. And then in the end, uh, he's being approached by Zero, and he very deliberately, Baby Yoda. I mean, very deliberately puts up his hands and uses the Force with intention. Like this is mm -hmm. no longer mm. a thing. He's like. He's, he's navigating. He makes an effort to attack this thing that he feels threatened by, and he wins. And so that's telling about his Force capabilities, which to this point are still pretty mysterious. Yeah, well, he doesn't know necessarily... He doesn't necessarily know what he's going to try and do that was defensive though it had it, to be. it was defensive of sorts but i don't know if it was necessarily like a, in an attacking way because, but he definitely looks at his hand and is impressed with himself because he thinks he did it uh but it's um it's some freaking cute that he's just there and he's hiding behind like the corners and like the sacks on the floor and like oh you can't see me uh let's do a little trivia like i said i don't have any more trivia questions uh but i apparently have lots i have some do you have any trivia mark yeah, I got two questions. Okay, why don't All you right. start? You want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, 
So, what planet from the sequel trilogy gets referenced in the opening? Uh, from the sequel trilogy, a planet. I actually don't know. Do you know? Planet from the sequel trilogy gets referenced in the opening. Oh, Canto Bite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Canto Bite. <laughs> right. You were we waiting that so long ago. that I was like, oh man, what did I screw up? No, you got <laughs> no it right. I just I just kept skipping over it, and I could only see JJ planets in my head. Um. Let's see. So, uh, Padawan question. All my Padawans were naming people. So, yep. the night question, I'll give you a handful of night questions. Um, this is my easiest night question, so it's Padawan now. Uh, how does Zero track the crew while they're on the Republic trip? Uh, is somebody bugged? Does somebody, it, I mean, I know they have that little clicker thing. The, we didn't talk about the blinker, by the way. Was that thing blinking before? Um, I don't know, Mark. Do you have any idea? I thought it was trackers they all had. Yeah, I don't know. Are they bugged? What kind, what kind of trackers? I don't know. Not sure. Bio trackers. Okay. Specifically because they say it's a droid chip, and thus that's how he's able to recognize their oh, signature. I see. So like the, some kind of heat sinking radar. Yeah. I see. Okay. So the only people in our the only life forms are in prison cells, or the, of course the one guy who he says is going to be in that room right before they open the door, and then boom, there's the life form. Gotcha. Okay. Um, how many lights are on that tracker fob? Uh, three. Yeah. Ooh, it's three. Nice. Do you have any more questions, Mark? Uh, yeah, I have one more. Right and, into the microphone, bud. Um, and the devilish guy, his name was Berg, right? Correct. Um, which actor, sorry, um, which famous cartoon character does the actor who plays Berg also voice? Oh. And I, and I have a hint. Okay. He's also red. What is the question? What's the answer? Uh, he's Mr. Krabs. Oh, okay. Oh, is that uh, SpongeBob? Yeah. I thought it was SpongeBob. I literally only know of Patrick and SpongeBob, though, so I was not going to get it right. This is a very reasonable question, and I thank you for it. You're welcome, sir. Sp- speaking of voice actors... I don't thank you for it. Th- oh, speaking of voice actors, apparently the Republic soldier, whoever that is, is voiced yeah. by Matt Lanter. Well, it, no, it is Matt Lanter. Uh, it's the instance where he's able to to be on screen because his voice is too recognizable to be on screen for any longer. Yeah, okay. Because uh, he's the voice of Anakin. There's a few little uh, Clone Wars cameos in this episode because we later on see Dave Filoni, no less. That's right. And Rick Famuyiwa and Deborah Chow. Oh, they're the other the, X-Wing the, pilots? Yeah, the three X-Wing pilots are all the directors, That's which is great. That's cute. Yeah. That's really nice. Uh, I have a couple more uh, questions, actually. What is Matt Lanter's character's name? I just have the Republic soldier. I don't know. John. Davin. They do say it in the episode. Okay. Yeah, they do. All right. And my master question, what percentage was the hyperdrive operating on the Razor Crest um, when Zero evaluates its efficiency? Ugh, I don't know. I have no idea. 15%. That was 40. 67.3. Ah, uh, we were very close. Oh, come on, guys. It's another, another uh, 2019 Star Wars installation that heavily uses death fakeouts, which, of course, was, like, overly prominent in Rise of Skywalker. And then mm. they lead us to believe characters are dead, and that turns out not to be true. It is gratifying when it happens in, in Mando because you want to see these characters come back, or at least you want to see uh, Mayfeld come back. Um but that's that is becoming a bit of a Star Wars cliche, no? Yeah, a little bit. A little like um who's the superhero who doesn't kill people? Batman. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh. Most of them I guess don't. But yeah. Anyway. I, Except I for know. when they do. Yeah, that's true. Right. But there's like I think Spider Man, Batman, Superman, I think they've all had arcs that are like <gasps> I can't kill anyone. Well, yes, they they develop some kind of moral compass when they actually have the goblin in their clutches. But 
in order to get there, they had to like take down three skyscrapers and exactly. surely people were inside. Yes, but yeah. my whole point is it is it is a little bit of, you could say, avoiding the murders, but there is a lot of, there's so much death in this show that I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. Okay. It's it's kind of one of those weird ones. Like, I don't, it's, it, it is a little bit of like, oh, come on, you're, you're a little chicken shit because you won't kill anyone important. Right. But may, there have also not been any characters that Disney has kept alive that I wanted them to kill. Any other observations about this episode? Something else that you wanted to say? Anything that stood out to you, good or bad, about uh, Chapter 6, The Mandalorian? Um, yeah, I'll say for good, just kind of, again, like, I thought the action was fantastic. Yeah. Like, both the scenes of Mando taking on droids in the hallway, and like you said, the droid design. And um, I guess the only other point I had written down was when Mando's is in with the crew with Mayfield and everyone, and they're going towards it, it really reminded me of Predator. And I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's the opening and they're all flying in to the alien planet and they're all kind of trying to be the most macho person on board and their little group of mercenaries. Well, we, it's interesting you bring up Predator because we keep talking about how this episode has a horror aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I think more specifically, we are talking about Predator or Alien. Like, it, like I haven't seen either. I don't know. But, but space horror and, and tremendously yeah. suspenseful in, in a way that feels very um, comparable to this episode. Well, Star Wars is known for its mystery of the Black Lagoon style, whereas this is a diff- one of the oh. first instances of totally different kind of suspense. Yes, that's. I mean, they've they've heavily used the "there's a creature out there, something just touched my leg," but you, the audience, aren't necessarily scared. You're just no, you're enthralled. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is like, oh, I'm a little tense. I had Berg also being, a, as a take back, Berg being a fucking idiot shooting the most droid yeah. and giving away their position yeah, that's for no reason whatsoever, creating like the conflict in the episode right. from just pure moronic behavior. When he meets up, Mandalore, when, when Mando meets up with Ran and they're like kind of having a moment because they go way back, mm. Ran is like, Mando, is that you under that bucket? I find this frustrating and I think it's starting to, I'm starting to develop a bit of a frustration with the overuse of the nickname Mando. Oh yeah. Mando is short for Mandalorian. He's wearing his Mandalorian helmet. Like Mm -hmm. you only ever seen him in a Mandalorian helmet. Yeah, that's him under the bucket. Like it's, it's just, and also, if it's not him, do you think the Mandalorian is also not nicknamed Mando by somebody? Well, every I'm guessing every Mandalorian is called Mando by somebody because people just know to call him Mando. Yeah. It's clearly like a universal nickname for Mandalorians. But, I mean, they are they are rare, but at the same time, it, it doesn't stand out by And anybody. by the way, that, that reminds me, um, a pretty funny sequence when they're like, well, they're supposed to be the greatest warriors in the galaxy. How come they're all dead? Yeah, that one's pretty good. It's a fair point. Um, Zero's line, uh, it appears as though comms are not functioning, therefore you cannot hear me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was <not> <laughs> just keeps talking. Um, I thought the guild station was really cool, though. I thought it just had a great aesthetic to it. Uh, it just, it, obviously the grungy look, but even from the, when you could see the X-Wings kind of taking it down. Uh, Mayfeld's cool as shit shoulder gun. Yeah. Oh, yes. That is awesome. I the, love that. The little backpack gun. That yeah, was basically like, cool. I'm going to go around the corner for you. I'll do that. Periscope gun. Kind yeah, of. Peris- yeah, that's a great yeah. name for it. Uh, Berg getting the horns cut off though when it had the double um, closure of the doors that was very cool though when he like raises it up like he's got it because he's so strong and then they do the second one that was a good bit of humor I I also kind of enjoy when he just body tackles the hovering pod like they try a corner and there's just like a big like air conditioning just floating and he just like takes it down 
And then after that, chucks it into the next one. And yeah, I, th- I thought that was kind of funny. Yep. Overall, I find him kind of wasted space in the episode, but he has some moments. I did really like when he was fighting Mando and uh, he used a flamethrower on him. And obviously he looks super devilish. Yeah. And just this like the flame kind of disappears and the smoke's all around him. Like I thought that was a fantastic shot too. So he's, is there it's any a good bit of like, yeah, I like that. Is there any like canon it. about his character? Like, is he like flame retarded as yeah. a, he's from some kind of fire planet? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, that's been in the cantina since new hope. So that's what I like. And being able to do circling things like that. It's always nice to see. And this episode really did a good job on that. I felt like anything else. Should we get to the news? Uh, I'm good getting to the news. I mean, the episode was engaging, but, um, not super consequential, but it was, it was fun. It was nice yeah. to see a bunch of fresh faces. Is it, I think it might be the longest episode in the season. Yeah. It was over 40. Yeah. Which would be better. I would like to see more 40 minute episodes. I know, there's something about the brain chemistry of 30, four minutes 36 it's minutes good, yeah i love it it's just for some reason that's really working for me in these episodes or maybe give me uh 10 episodes i mean amanda season two if yeah. they're gonna be 32 minute episodes all right well why don't you take the lead for the news what's going on there's always something Alrighty. so uh we'll get to the bigger things last because there'll be larger discussion points or i guess not so much bigger things but uh or bigger things but shouldn't be bigger things um but mando season two so yeah. as we were just talking about that, uh, Robert Rodriguez and Bryce Dallas Howard will be doing some directing in season two. Rodriguez. Yes. So it's not confirmed as to whether he's doing episodes or just bit parts, but Robert Rodriguez and Bryce Dallas Howard will both be doing some directing. We also know Favreau from a while before. It will also be doing some directing. And then it was also reported that James Mangold would be doing directing for this season. Yeah. And then he came out and said, that's not true. Good luck, Rob and Bryce, though. He's probably going to be doing Indy 5. So he, he is doing Indy he'll, 5. He'll be busy. So there may have been uh, some crossing of, oh, Lucasfilm just hired three directors, and then they said two of them, and then one was James Mangold. Maybe they just assumed they were all one and the same. I don't know how this kind of thing, I don't know how Variety, I don't know how all of these guys get this one wrong. Two of the three of them right, though, but it's interesting because it seems like it's the case with the two of the three. Mark, well, are James you a- Mangold was attached to... Obi-Wan, right? Or was it the Boba Fett movie? Like, he's been attached to Star Wars before. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Boba Fett. uh, Boba Fett. I forget which one it was. It's either the Obi-Wan one or the Boba Fett one. Uh, Josh Trank was attached to the Boba Fett one also at a point. And um, a few different people were attached to uh, the Obi-Wan at a different point. But yes, James Mangold at a point was attached to one of those. I can't remember which one. Mark, are you a Robert Rodriguez fan? Do you have feelings about him? Yeah, um, I really like him. I, I mean, I only saw like the Spy Kids ones when I was little, but then like, well, sure. Well, no, but then after Didn't going back all? and watching his old movies, yeah. I really like uh, Desperado and I forget the Dusk Till Dawn. Like he does some really good action ones, so it seems like a good fit. And Scrappy and Raw, like it's kind of actually great for the Mandalorian, especially I... with someone reining him in. Yes, that that it's not just too. Oh, it's not going to be. Crazy. It's not going to be machete. No, but yeah. but also a little. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like Spy Kids, I watched it recently for a bit of fun, and it's one of the worst written movies ever. It's crazy that it was a mainstream movie. It is so yeah. bad. Yeah, but at the same time, there is a ridiculous amount of creativity yep. and inventiveness that goes into that movie. Uh, the fact that it's a spy movie, so you need to come up with these cool gadgets. There's also like weird biochemistry and cloning and like shit that's very Star Warsy. Yeah. So as much as there's potential of 
maybe needing some script doctoring. Uh, I am I'm excited by this one. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it works no matter how good or bad a movie he makes. It's always like at least kind of interesting because it always has really just out there weird ideas. So like you said, someone just kind of reining him in a bit and it's it's going to be really cool, I think. It really, I, I think it's kind of an icebreaker for the opportunity of other like highly stylized singular directors to have their small crack at doing something Star Warsy, which is still pretty much a blank canvas. Like The Mandalorian, you still have a lot of room to do whatever artistic thing you might want to do for one 35-minute episode. Like, I, I know it's a kind of an extreme example, but like, I mean, because Wes Anderson's not going to do a Star Wars episode, but like, what if he did? Like, I, what would it look like? Or certainly, if, if, if Quentin wanted to do it, like, what would it look like? Fundamentally, the thing that I'm scared about with Star Wars entirely, that is the actually my biggest fear about Star Wars. Stunt hiring directors? Is Wes Anderson because, getting a hold of it? <laughs> well, I mean... Too many tweed jackets. Yeah. But to, to be honest, yeah, because Kathleen Kennedy has shown herself to be the biggest pro in the world at hiring people prematurely because they're the hottest thing on the market that's fair and she got lucky by and because i'm assuming favreau was involved so because watiti came along but that's another example taika watiti getting a movie uh you have uh, lord and miller they got a movie uh, colin trevorrow you did jurassic park you get a movie ryan johnson you did all these other things you get a movie oh we liked you on last Jedi. you get three more movies right. game of thrones guys you guys are doing game of thrones you guys get a series of movies now that's we'll arguably it. the best example of what Josh you're trying to as well and yeah he only had like chronicle and all these things and then they go back on them and then they fire people and then they change their mind and so this is what they're doing with project luminous about uh building a brain trust about star wars the identity of star wars ensuring that that maintains consistency uh that kind of dave filoni george lucas overviewed mindset that's necessary and as long as that is in place and it has a Spine and is actually strong leading the the visual uh, mediums of Star Wars uh, and like the TV and and uh, and film, then that's fine as long as that person has a spine. But that person has not had a spine. Well, okay, at the we're, moment. we're kind of talking about two different things though, because uh, we're talking about Mandalorian episodes, which is definitely different than being given the opportunity to cultivate a whole new. Uh, universe for Star Wars. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And also we're talking about directors like like Quentin Tarantino who's an established stylized director who also is very familiar with the sanctity of a property. He's very respectful of that. At least when he discusses it, he is. And he's already, of course, famously been in talks to do Star Trek, which will never happen. Um, but these are not necessarily the directors who are the hot guy right now. They're established film geniuses. Mm. Uh, the other thing is that Star Wars has shown us recently that you can recapture the aesthetic and the tone of Star Wars while also exploring new genre styles, whether it's a spy movie or an escape thriller, or as we just discussed, a haunted house thriller. Like, you can do all that and still feel like Star Wars. Yes, and that was the end of my point, was that The Mandalorian is what you do, is you give it you give them an opportunity to show themselves within the framework that has already been structured by the showrunner. Uh, and so it at least allows them to see, can this person play inside this even more structured universe? Okay, maybe we can give them a bit more freedom, but then it allows to see that, okay, they can at least do Star Wars. Whereas I think there's been a lot of instances where 
um, if we had gotten maybe the final product that Kathleen Kennedy was additionally allowed people to make on certain things, it may have been all over the place. That's why it's really nice to have Favreau in there because I think he will be able to kind of protect that for certain things that he's involved with at least. Anybody we're not talking about at all who is is due an opportunity to have their their thumbprint put on Star Wars? Who's like an obvious person? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Um, well, for like obvious people, I'm just, my head just goes to like movie nerds and stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if, I know he does Star Trek already, but I wonder what Simon Pegg, because I know he wrote Star Trek 3. And that's that's a good point. Having a, having for a, a behind the scenes. But a writer's yeah. mind is really important, mm. especially if you're going to like be given a lot of, of free reign. He's too close to JJ. That's yeah. why I wouldn't want Simon Pegg. That's fair. Um, because he is fr- close friends with JJ and I believe has been... He's Uncar Plutt. Yeah, he, he is. And he knows a lot of the behind the scenes as to what Star Wars uh, has been in the sequel trilogy. And so I'm curious to know his take on Star Wars at the moment. Um, but I'd be interested in having him back in as an actor as well because it's not like Uncar Plutt is like, oh, Simon Pegg. We can't have him back. No, again. he hasn't been used up. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. but I'd like his spinoff. Like, I think that's a prequel we need to see. <laughs> and maybe yeah. he meets Boss Nass, and it's just like these all like Plut, thumb-shaped a, characters. Plut, a Star Wars story. Uh, I can't wait to see this Makes thing. more money than Solo. Yeah, probably. Well, that wouldn't be hard. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> all right, what else do we have? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I don't know if I talked about this last time. I don't think I did, even though it was in my notes. Uh, that he specifically said these quotes. So the prop guys are uh, wondering about me because I was in a bit of a commotion and a bit of struggle with someone else, which I'm hoping you will enjoy. See it. Uh, major, major epic lightsaber action happening on this show. And I should mention I'm the only one, uh, the only character in the first season who was able to be honored with having a lightsaber. So that feels wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and on the notion of dueling Baby Yoda, well, no way. It ain't going to happen, baby. Anything is possible and you keep watching uh, because although the baby has some incredible power, without having to wield the dark saber i think the baby is so curious about what just it is uh so you'll have to so you'll be enthused and inspired when you see the scene i'm referring to in season two this comes in october keep watching i don't think it's a great reveal to learn that baby yoda is not going to wield a lightsaber <laughs> i think we probably could have figured that out i think that's pretty fair too yeah kind of, uh, kind of relieved actually i've never been a fan of, of yoda's lightsaber but I think this is cool, the notion that there's going to be some lightsaber action. People, of course, assume that that means it's lightsaber on lightsaber. It does not say that. Nope. And so that's what's unfortunately the world of news. Just that's the quote. And thus any headline associating, oh, Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian season two. Oh, I know. Because like, oh, well, who in the world has a lightsaber? Right. Although there could be an option um, for maybe some Rebels crossover. Who knows? Which I still think could be down the down the pipe out of the question the luke pipe. skywalker ever has any kind of involvement in mandalorian even if it's just tangential oh i think it's very possible and i think it very well could be the sad ending of the baby yoda arc um ends up going to luke skywalker and then we like oh what happened to baby yoda Did ben solo kill baby yoda um they that, wouldn't do that they wouldn't do that. Not doing that uh although i will talk a little bit about baby yoda in the sense that i can i've pieced together what um what they want him for i'm okay. pretty sure um what do you think well we'll talk about it in, in a second okay um the working title for obi-wan is pilgrim yeah, what does that mean 
this is the Blue Harvest Space Bear title. It's just the behind the scene. That's not uh, a working title then. It's it's that's just what they're writing on the slate. Yeah, exactly. The one that yeah. they have to. It's a Western movie reference. It's what I they guess. call Clint Eastwood and what he'll call people in all those old fistful of dollars movies. It honestly makes me worried a little bit. Why? That it's going to be a bit too small potatoes and that it's not going to resolve anything Darth Vader-esque. And I'm just, I'm hoping that that's what the rewrites are about. You're worried that it's going to stay too local to Tatooine? Yep. Just based on the word pilgrim, because that could be a no. subversion too. Like clearly, the premise is I want to go here and I'm going to stay here forever. Yeah. But obviously, something happens that disrupts that plan. That's the whole reason we're telling a story in the first place. I would believe so, and I don't necessarily think Pilgrim says that by any means, but I think it it points it that way. And that was a that's just a belief that I have a, a bit of a worry anyway. Um, but that's really all that came from that. Okay. Clone Wars. Yeah. So episode two was out and that was really good. Continuing the story arc onward. Uh, my God, it looks beautiful. And this was a fun episode. It was good. Lots of lightsaber action. Anakin. Do you watch much Clone Wars, Mark? Uh, I've watched a few episodes before and then Disney Plus put out like the top 20 episodes you need yeah. to get ready for the new season. I've so I'm going to watch those. I've been slowly working my way through those. What I'm finding, you know, for better or worse is Clone Wars is not for everybody. It's not for every Star Wars fan. Yeah, it's just not for you. It's not necessarily not for me, but it's it's not it's no Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. That's fair. There will yeah. be some arcs that are incredible and but they will seem very different from because you also have to keep in mind it is the prequels too. Yeah. And so it is a very different era and it's so clean and polished. And it's largely led by a different brain. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. George Lucas is very, very heavily involved in Clone Wars. Yep. Not Rebels, but Clone Wars. He he was quite, quite How heavily, heavily is George involved in this final season of Clone Wars? Uh, it would have been written with him in yeah. the sense that him and Filoni probably wrote this a long time ago. Okay. Um, and he's also the first credit in the credits. Right. That's um, true. By more than based on the blank of George Lucas. It's created by George Lucas. Okay, cool. The world, apparently, uh, at least the geek world and the Star Wars world, and everybody has now clued into what was in The Rise of Skywalker and are now understanding the entire plot. And Isn't this frustrating when people decide that there's some new revelation, even though they saw the movie two months ago? And yep. We've been talking about it on this podcast ever since. It, drive, it drives me nuts. And this one drove me nuts more than anything. The movie, the first time you watch it, Okay, Dominic Monhead says something about cloning and the Emperor and dark magic. And then you're waiting the entire movie for the actual full explanation. It never comes. No. So the only explanation we have is one sentence, cloning and dark magic. How did the Emperor come back? Well, we don't know, but we know it's cloning and dark magic. Yeah. What That's... happened? How did he come back? There's a novelization. It says he came back through cloning and dark magic. What, what the hell? <laughs> Plus, you know, just the fact that he clearly has a different body than when we last left him. Well, that's the thing. The... Uh, Ian McDiarmid is painted white with like white, like it is not the electrified Emperor Palpatine. This is Sheev Palpatine regrown as an old man with a rotting corpse. This yep. is a rotting cloned corpse of the original DNA of Sheev Palpatine. This is not a clone of the deformed electrified Emperor that had his lone lightning shot back on him from Mace Windu. This is uh, that soul 
put into a grown body that was grown to look like the emperor but had no ability to contain how strong he was because it was a weak clone body. I would argue, aside from Dominic Monaghan's line, it's made even more clear by the giant cylinder that has the Snokes in it. It's clear we're cloning old bodies in here. Yeah, yes, for sure. But there's also potential in, I think, because the fingers is the is the thing for me that I've not been able to get over. His fingers were the only thing that didn't look right in... Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, Emperor Palpatine, before he becomes uh, himself again. At yeah, the they're end. like zombie fingers. Yeah, but the rest of him is just like white and rotting. And yeah. his eyes are obviously, there's no pupils. They're just white and milky as well. Uh, but his fingers, like they look sewn up and they're like long and pointy, kind of a little like Snoke's. And yeah. Snoke's like dis- disgusting and barely formed in the appropriate way. And so there's a chance that Snoke was just an early draft of mm-hmm. Palpatine uh, that he was using because he was trying to regrow back his body and it was coming in deformed ways. Because in the novelization, which pages have been leaked about, and that's where all these revelations are coming about, uh, it does talk that this cl- crude clone body is not capable of containing the Emperor's power. Interesting. And that uh, Kylo looks closely. There are vials all like equip into this like electric chair holding the Emperor. And the one of the vials is almost empty and the rest are empty. Okay. And so it is clearly... This was like he has almost nothing left keeping him alive. He's at the Sith loyalist trying to grow his bodies, but he is just barely hanging on. And then there's the kind of Kylo is able to see it and identify, oh, this is a clone. And he also recognizes the technology from his studies of the Clone Wars. I'm guessing the vast majority of Star Wars fans are perfectly clear on the fact that this there's some cloning happening in this movie, and that's what's led to the the. Uh, the reemergence of Palpatine. I think it's the blogs. I think it's the headline writers trying yeah. to trying to clickbait people. They're trying to generate some kind of like reveal as if it is one. True, but there is a lot of reaction to said reveal from people who should know. And a lot of people seem to think that this is a retcon. Ah. That like, oh, they weren't happy with the description, so the novelization is coming out to explain things further and provide a different sort of reaction. Talk to me about the other retcon, the one that I mentioned to you before we started recording. In just one second, but it drives me fucking nuts because the book was written based on J.J. Abrams' probably initial five-hour draft of The Rise of Skywalker. It's not pure conjecture. Also, we're going to get some deleted scenes that probably have these things. Mm-hmm. And we know that there is a longer version of this movie that explains the movie. Yeah. It is not necessarily a, a different version, but the movie was ruined on the editing floor. I've said it 100,000 times, and this is just further proof of that. Okay. Now, that's not the headline I saw today. The other one because would there's, be there's... all about the kissing. How do you feel about the kiss, Mark? Um, assuming we're talking about the same sex kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker. No, 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 no. Uh, no. Ray and Ren. Ray, oh. and, Ray and Ren. The... I thought that was the only one that had controversy. Well, no, not really. In, <laughs> no, in, some people... in fact, that one didn't have controversy. The... It was overblown. It was, it was, it was, it was drummed into clickbait. It was, it was nothing. And it was. The That's why I was kiss? wondering if it was coming back around. <laughs> yeah. No, the I'm... lesbian kiss had controversy because they cut it out for the Chinese market. Okay, but, but that's, not much. That's that's man-made controversy. They did that to themselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, no. We're talking about Ray and Ren, which is controversial only because every major romantic decision made in these movies is always controversial. Okay. How do you feel about that? That they kissed at the end of the movie. Yeah. I was fine with it. Um, the honestly, the only reaction I had to it in the theater, which 
Ross let me know I was wrong to have was that um, I was like, oh, wait, like she's Palpatine's granddaughter. Mm. Isn't Anakin Palpatine's son? Because I still thought that Revenge of the Sith theory about him being his dad was canonized. And I was like, okay. oh, that's why are they going back into I mean, it? actually, I'm going to say you're wrong on that one. I have to actually uh, capitalize on your taking a jab on me. Um, even if he was, though, Palpatine would never have been Anakin's biological father. So that never would have been an issue in that regard. Sorry, no. I just want to throw that in. No, except for that, there is still something indirectly... Um, it's not incest. No, but it is kind of like weirdly incesty because the whole movie is leading up to Rey is... Yeah, she's a Skywalker, though. And also, so they, it's they, Star Wars. So you have the Luke and Leia kids oh, already. That's beautiful so, about uh, it. I see, I see what you mean in the sense that because she adopts... I, I would actually more so... And it's 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 very weird. Oh, let's actually get into the the explanation of what the text says. And so, what the text says is that the kiss was of gratitude, almost as opposed to being romantic. That's stupid. Uh, which is very stupid. It was yeah. put in uh, at the end, and this was something that has been. It's very believable, and it's been heavily put out there that. The kiss was a very late addition because the chemistry was too good and just clearly required it. There was always um, sexual tension between them. Exactly. Ever, ever since Last Jedi. And it was... The way it's described in the book, I don't think is necessarily the accurate way. I do maybe think there was some misinterpretation because it was so late, lately added in that this could be a bit of writer misinterpretation. And gratitude, I think, is pretty fucking stupid. It's a weird word to use. But they do show that Ray is acknowledging finally meeting Ben. Yeah. That is the part of it that I do like. And I think that's the part that is the better part to focus on she's finally able to she finally broke him free of the kylo ren prison and she's like hey it's the other half the other side of my coin is finally clean well and these two have been so intimately bonded for this entire trilogy mm. now that he's good and and they're both good how can we demonstrate their intimacy in a pure and beautiful way? Well, that's when two people kiss each other. And so that's fine. I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to be like boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm just saying like, we don't need to scrub romance from this just because it angers neckbeards. Yeah, yeah no. And I, and I thought it was good the way that they, like Kylo knows that um, giving the galaxy back Ray is not close to making up for the wrong that he's done. Right. But that that is the right thing to do and the light compels him to do it and the force compels him to do it. And it just, it, I, I like what you said. Yeah. It's about kind of just focusing on their relationship because the relationship is the key to it all. It's the whole reason why the movie wasn't really, really bad universally by everybody. Like these two carry the movie. They must have sore backs. Totally. <laughs> totally. Any, any other news, any big things to talk about this week? No, that's really it. Just there was so much commotion about this novelization. I'm really excited about the novelization. It comes because, out in a couple weeks. Because I honestly believe it's just going to, it's just going to be a fundamentally better version of what we, of The Rise of Skywalker. It's mm -hmm. the same story. It's just going to be the story completed as opposed to the gaps not being filled in. So it's a novelization that I'm really excited to read. I'm sure there'll be more kind of little learnings here and there. Uh, but I think the Emperor being a clone, it, it was pretty damn obvious, and uh, people need to get over that. It makes sense. Right. Mark, thanks for joining us this week. Oh, thanks for having me. Good chat. We'll have you back when, uh, I don't know, like Ali Wong or John Mulaney does a Star Wars episode or something. All right, then I'll be in. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, for uh, for birthdays this week in Star Wars, want to say a happy birthday on. Uh, well, actually, today we're recording this uh, on March 2nd. Happy birthday to Bryce Dallas Howard, who's in oh, the, cool. the director's family now. Uh, Monday the 9th, uh, Oscar Isaac. And Ross, we mentioned your birthday last week, but we'll say it again. Happy birthday on the on Wednesday the 4th. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, for, for God of Cast 1, actually, this works out really nicely because I, I realize now that I didn't complete my preparation for this segment. I knew I wanted to, to mention Elizabeth Moss for, for God of Cast 1 because she's in The Invisible Man, which is out right now. Uh, but since you mentioned... Uh, Robert Rodriguez might be doing some Star Wars stuff. If you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it going to be Elizabeth Moss or Danny Trejo? Oh, I thought you were going to give me at least Antonio Banderas. Nah. <laughs> nah, Machete. Put Machete in Star Wars. Um, Danny Trejo would work, but he's too Danny Trejo. Um, oh. I don't know, man. No, I, no, no. 100% Danny Trejo, Watto's cousin. <laughs> you want him to be a, a Toydarian? Toydarian, yeah. Okay. Danny Trejo, think of that voice. Uh, he, it, absolutely. Danny Trejo, I'm going with Danny Trejo as a Toydarian. What do you think, Mark? Um, I think they're, they would both fit really well, honestly. Yep. I think Danny Trejo, you would have to kind of... He would almost be who... Uh, and I keep forgetting his name, the Red Devil guy from like the episode Berg. of The Mandalorian Berg. today. Yeah. He'd be like that type of character, I sure. feel like. Uh, you Not mean an a, alien? He'd be an alien and he'd be the muscle and he wouldn't be a huge star of it. But I think, I think he'd be over, a cool I think you're overthinking this. I really think Danny Trejo can be like a guy who fixes speeders. Like, I think he can be just like Danny Pottery Trejo. Mechanic. But the problem, totally. the problem is then he's Danny, Dre, then he's Danny Trejo. Well, I'm not sure that's a problem. I'm it, not asking him to lead a movie. It's true. Of people, Danny Trejo isn't going to be the worst person to be he like, hey, that's of, Danny Trejo. He kind of compliments a lot of things. He kind of, it's like, oh, I could see him being in the galaxy far, far away. But also, I just am excited about the notion of him being a toy Darian. Elizabeth Moss is a ridiculously good actress, though, yeah. uh, and she could damn near be anything. I think she would be better in Star Wars playing a sinister character. I agree uh, with that. Someone with yeah. potentially, a, someone potentially just like Palpatine in his prequel phase. Someone who's trying to put on a good show to the, the world, but is secretly, like, maniacal. All right, send along your thoughts on this week's episode of Recorder 66 at Recorder 66 on Twitter, Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. If you want to join us for next week's episode, we're going to be watching the seventh chapter, the seven of nine chapters? Seven of eight. Seven of eight chapters. Oh, we're really getting through it. Yeah, Deborah Chow and Taika left. Okay, so the penultimate episode. Two best episodes, in my opinion. Uh, penultimate episode of season one of The Mandalorian. We're going to cover that on next week's podcast. And until we are together again. One more thing. Sure. I said I was going to talk about it, and I didn't. All right. Uh, the vials that are going into the Emperor. Yeah. Those vials is what I believe they were trying to extract from Baby Yoda. So whatever they're extracting oh, cool. from Baby Yoda is he's a cloner. They're trying to clone Yodas. Well, no. My guess is they're trying to get some form of something that can transfer midi-chlorians that would allow cloned Palpatine's corpse to essentially not rot as fast because it's so powerful in the dark side that they're trying anything. Mm. And that the vials of like this silvery liquid pushed into his like um, robotic chair, that that may be what they drew from Yoda, the Baby Yoda. Okay. That's a good, that's a good, it's a theory, right? That's a, it's a theory that it kind of made sense right away to me and I looked it up and some other people are having it. And so it seems like it, it, it makes sense. I'm not, I've not yet seen a, a hole in that theory because that would explain a lot. Definitely. Yeah. It connects things nicely. Thanks again for joining us, Mark. Thank you for having me. Sign us off. May the force be with you. Thank you.